Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. Welcome to a very special episode of Honest Money. I'm a little bit intimidated to be uh, very honest because uh, th- this is the amateur and now speaking to the absolute media professional. Uh, so, so I'm going to be even more uh, stumbling and stuttering than, than normal. I'm thrilled to, to introduce uh, Gugaletu Mfupi. She is a, a financial journalist broadcaster uh, of world renown, I have to say. Um, and, and I've had the privilege of, of sharing the stage with her a few times uh, and primarily in her capacity as a conversation strategist. Uh, Gugaletu, thanks so much for, for uh, coming on to Honest Money with us. Thank you so much, Warren. I must say I'm excited to be here uh, and humbled by your introduction, but um, I think you and I are fairly comfortable in this medium now. So <laughs> I've learned a lot from you, by the way, following your journey. Thank you very much. So so conversation strategist, let's start with that for our, our listeners who wouldn't be familiar with, with that role. Maybe you can tell us a bit more. Awesome. Thanks for that, Warren. Well, I must say it's not a title that many South Africans might be familiar with or individuals the world over, really. But the genesis of it was really started by a colleague of mine um, who the two of us really do work that is incredibly similar. And um, we've actually worked together intensively, um, extensively through a number of projects. Nozi Koshabalala, who coined the phrase as a conversation strategist. And essentially, this stems from the art of the work that we do. Fundamentally, whether you're emceeing a uh, corporate event for a company and trying to deliver a specific message or trying to assist them in celebrating or commemorating particular awards. Or if you happen to be moderating a key conversation, um, the ultimate objective is to plant a seed to lead to a conversation that will be consequential. Uh, And these conversations are not just structured in random questions and themes that are answered or rather asked to um, industry experts, but it's really a deliberate science to make sure that at the end of the day, the kind of questions, the level of engagement, how it is that we interact with the panelists as well as the client uh, themselves, all translates into meeting the needs and objective of the client to be clear in their messaging, but also for that messaging to lead to a consequence where there's a change in action. So whether it's speaking to policymakers to alert them of certain changes that have been taking place, like we saw during COVID-19, whether it's speaking to an audience like the ones that we're speaking to today about um, an understanding of financial behaviors or um, the economic environment that we're in. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is to plant the seed through conversation to lead to actions of consequence. Um, And the art behind it is a full engagement between myself as a conversation strategist, as well as working with clients where we look to partner in not only just sharing messages, but making sure that those messages do translate into action um, and accountability that can be followed through with. So, yeah, I guess there is a science to speaking after all. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's something um, most of us do uh, more or less every day. And, and the issue is how do we do it well? And then when, we're, when we've got important things to talk about, how do we do it uh, in a way that's approachable for our, uh, you know, for our audience and the, and the people that need to hear the message? So if you get any of those um, around uh, how to make ESCOM better, please just give me a shot. I've got some ideas for you. <laughs> I like that. For you and I both, right, Lauren? Sure, it's tough times. No water, no power. But hopefully something else does work in South Africa's economy. Yeah, we, we have uh, wonderful, dynamic people and, uh, and, and usually brilliant weather. And I think that, that counts for a lot. 
So let, let's let's get into it. Uh, um, you know, I think it, it's always interesting for me to talk to you from the perspective that that you have had so much exposure over over um, a long period of time to lots of people who would be sitting usually on you know on, on the other side of a of a screen, a microphone, uh, you know, a camera. Where, where you need to kind of you know get get into the um, you know the world of money w- with them in all different aspects, and I guess over that time you, you would have built up um, um, some 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 learnings around um, money and and especially you know money in the media space, uh, and and I think that's what I what I really wanted to talk about, but but also just to say and and you and I were chatting off air is that you know you're, you're not um, you're not putting yourself out there as as some investment strategist uh, you know financial guru where you've got uh, all the lessons for the world this is really about what you've learned over, over the time your own experiences and, and it's what you're willing to share with us which i really appreciate oh certainly and i'm hoping that uh, as you correctly state you know that some of these um observations lessons and interactions um you know might plant a seed for us to to look at our money differently look at how we interact with money differently and you know how various stakeholders do discuss money uh, and if the impact that we're trying to reach which is an improvement of financial literacy to change people's behavior actually does translate to that so you're right i'm looking forward to this i'm anxious myself but um i think i'm going to relish in the delight of sharing sharing my views so if you're if you had to take a theme from from people that uh, th- that we perceive as financially successful what have you observed around them you know that that kind of strikes strikes you from someone who actually or let's say a collection of people that are are financially successful versus those that that aren't mm-hmm. very true interesting one there Warren and in my interactions having interviewed a number of people within that particular space uh, largely being business executives leaders of corporate activity Uh, But also the beauty of actually speaking to individuals who are uh, successful in their own personal capacities. What I found is that I think that there's one common thread, discipline, consistency, and a very clear understanding of what their end goal and objective is. Um, And having observed, you know, some of the conversations we have with a lot of corporate executives, whilst we're well aware that they earn copious amounts of income um, through their bonuses, as well as corporate incentives and share schemes that they might be invested in, they um, perhaps aren't very open, you know, about their money behaviors and money management. But those who have been very clear uh, about the fact that, you know, an increased level of and capability to derive greater income does provide them with more opportunities um, and flexibility when it comes to, to, to the choices that they're able to make. And what I've also found is that through my own career in interacting with individuals who have a heightened sense of financial discipline, um, is that sometimes it's not about the assets that you're able to acquire. And I guess not assets, assets might not be the right word that I'm using here, but um, it's not about how flamboyant you are or lavish you are in actually demonstrating or showcasing your wealth. But there's a, a great sense of um, the discipline, which speaks to the consistency, um, the consistency, which is also built up on a heightened level of awareness. And what I found with a few individuals, particularly some of our listeners on some of the platforms I've worked on, is uh, a simplicity. To their formula, that it doesn't need to be overly complex, it doesn't need to distract them entirely, but it needs to be easy for them to understand and so much easier than for them to implement. Um, and those are always factors I think that have stuck out for me because, um, again, the narrative around being fairly wealthy or accumulating some sense of wealth in South Africa has been that it needs to be intricate, complex. Um, loaded with lots of money uh, that's involved and of course some assets that you acquire that not only generate the kind of capital appreciation that you require but assets that you can also show off and point to 
And, and what I found is that there's also this um, subliminal, subliminal simplicity um, to individuals who have been disciplined in creating welfare, Warren. Uh, I, I love that point. I, I often get a, a quite a bit of heat on social media when when I kind of point out, you know, for me, one of the things that that bothers me about wealth is that those those that really have you know, you know accumulated real wealth. Are are often fly, they fly below the radar. They're they're not flamboyant. They're not extravagant. And those that are are generating a lot of income, but actually you know m- might also have a lot of debt. They tend to be much more flamboyant with their money. You know they're the ones driving you know the most expensive cars, wearing the most outrageous you know outfits with all the latest accessories uh, that are obviously expensive. Uh, and and you know when I kind of raise that as an issue to say, well, hang on, you know why is it that that the millionaires and the I mean not, let's not talk about the billionaires because there's so few of them, but the millionaires are often silent. You know there 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 might be you know there's even books about that the millionaire next door. You know there there are people that are might be sitting right next to you. Uh, you know, in 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 the you know, in, I want I want I want to say in the wimpy eating their burger like you know like I would be, uh, and uh, and and not you know not in the most expensive restaurants um, and and it's it's interesting that a lot of people you know really don't respond well to that you know they they don't want that to be pointed out they you know they, they want to know that the wealthy are out there and and showing themselves to be wealthy and I just don't think it's true. My observation is it's in fact it's exactly the opposite. That's very true. You're very right, and it's almost as though it's um. I don't. I wouldn't like to use the word sense of secrecy, but um, as you say, you know, just just limited exposure to, to to understanding the simplicity that might be involved around creating wealth. Um, uh, and I think that is a concept that we also need to decipher in South Africa. But I must say, Warren, over the last few years, you and I have had the opportunity to see this growth in social media, and it's been phenomenal to witness the kind of conversations that ordinary South Africans and retail investors have been having on varying platforms from YouTube to Twitter, um, including Instagram and a few others, uh, where we've been very vocal about, you know, um, how best we can actually make money. And individuals have been very bold about talking about how to manage debt. Um, There's been a heightened level of community that's grown in terms of retail investing um, and using easy to access and affordable platforms to also build wealth. So I do see that changing slightly, particularly with this generation of millennials, um, as well as Gen Zs, um, who are kind of caught in between, you know, wanting to live it up lavishly um, and, and show their wealth off to the world, but at the same time trying to educate one another about the various avenues and asset classes that one can actually look to um, when it comes to to investing specifically. So I think there might be a slight change in the tide, even though there might be a few um, reality checks that many South Africans are not quite comfortable to face just yet. And uh, I do think that one of the arguments I will buy is we all need examples of of our own heroes, you know, I, I don't really like the idea of of always holding out, you know, the the typical American, you know, financial success story. I think it's important that we've got, uh, you know, local South African success stories, people that are our neighbours and you know, grow up where we grow up, and you know, if if not in our neighbourhood, in our city, and where where we can see, um, you know, you know, the, the future, and we can hold ourselves out to to aim for something. So so I get that we we you know we shouldn't be uh, you know we shouldn't be shy about about success, but I. I think just be careful how we measure success would maybe be my my message, and and I, and I think it's a nice pivot to to uh, you, you know um, 
people that don't kind of earn real, you know, predictable basic salaries. You know, I think there's this whole thing around entrepreneurship, you know, the gig economy. Um, and and then I guess also in your industry, you know, there's a huge expectation of, of media personalities to be kind of high flyers and, you know, out there, you know, in the in the biggest restaurants, the best cars, that you know, the best outfits. And, and you know, when you've got, I think, unpredictable income, um, must be a pretty scary way to live, and, I'm, and and let's not talk about you specifically. That's a bit close to home, but I think you know your industry is is it's it's a tough place to be when you're you know especially a broadcaster where you know you're on contract and you know life is good uh, one you know one week or one month or one year, and then suddenly that contract's over, it doesn't get extended, uh, and and then life isn't so good anymore. Very true. You yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Warren. And um, there are a number of facets you touch on that really do do hit very close to home. Um, and maybe let me start off with the asset purchases before moving into um, the, the the media space, which has been incredibly volatile, especially as we've also moved out of COVID, um, despite the fact that it has been an industry and a sector that has been um, um, rattled by, I guess, a lack of financial discipline and keeping up appearances, really. You know, we comment on it very lightly about keeping up with the Joneses, but it's a real concept. And more so, as a Black South African Warren, I... I appreciate that we, you know, have a very unfortunate history in South Africa. And over the last 20 odd years, many South Africans right across the board, black South Africans specifically, and even, I guess, you know, individuals who come from more impoverished backgrounds have been trying to catch up. And what we've noticed, if you look at a number of studies that have been released recently, KFM partnered with um, UCT and Liberty on their most recent study into the black middle class of South Africa. And they separate the market into about three categories. Um, individuals who are the forerunners or front runners, um, the first in their generation and in their family really to to break through, you know, and really accumulate some kind of asset. And they call those those individuals who participate in the asset catch up. So they've got a good education. They've managed to buy their first home. They've bought the nice flashy car and they are potentially also responsible for paying back via black tax, you know, which actually comes from a very emotive and, and family oriented to drive. And then you have individuals like myself who are second generation. I am fortunate enough to have spent half my life in the township. And throughout my life, my parents have been hardworking individuals who did their best to take me to the best schools, Model C schools back then, um, and also gave me a very comfortable life if, if I really have to compare it with a few other individuals. And that makes me a third generation, I guess, um, individual in South Africa who is in the space of trying to continue with the accumulation of wealth for future generations. And these are individuals who are going beyond, you know, buying properties and houses just to, to attest their claim, but individuals who rightfully, as you say, are keen to explore new avenues. So you get your education, but perhaps you don't follow through. I mean, I studied accounting. I'm glad I'm not a CA and a bean counter. I think my job in the media space is a lot more fun, but it does speak to the volatility of the workplace and work environment that I'm in. And you are 100% correct, uh, Warren. I, um, I I acknowledge and appreciate that I, I work in the media. And I guess because I'm in the more serious side of media slightly, as some of my peers might consider it, I've never really felt the pressure to be flashy, to be uh, seen in the latest car or in the latest gear. But I must admit, I am a typical South African female who uh, likes some nice things. Um, uh, but of course, given my exposure to the realm of um, financial journalism, I've been able to pick up a few lessons as to how to enjoy some of the nice things in life uh, in a manner that I can afford. 
And I must tell you a very interesting story, Warren. It was at the time when I was working at MoneyWeb. This is probably 2012, 2013, so almost a decade ago. And I recall uh, my colleague and, and mentor and boss at the time was Alec Hogg. Um, and we'd obviously talk about the markets, have engagements about, you know, uh, investment opportunities and the likes. And he looked at me and he said, do you actually have any investments? And I looked back and I said, well, I know my dad has a unit trust for me. And he said, OK, well, you've highlighted that. But what are you doing for yourself? Uh, and between Alec, as well as a colleague of mine, um, uh, uh, Dominique Sehwaike, uh, who was the producer of the, one of the shows we produced at MoneyWeb, she literally helped me open up a Satrix account um, and said, look, 300 Rand every month, just toss it into an ETF and watch your money grow. And I've been very fortunate that as a financial journalist working within that space, that was the first time I opened up my own independent financial investment account, if I can put it that way. And through the years of ongoing exposure to new investment products, understanding the lay of the landscape, I've been able to, um, um, I guess, follow a very different trajectory to some of my peers where I have been very concerted in some of the financial decisions that I make. And even engaging with individuals like yourself, reading multiple books, um, you kind of get to understand, okay, you really need to follow a, a method, exercise patience, and a simple method to building your wealth. But what I have found is that this does work to the detriment of many of um, some of my other peers in the industry who, for a lack of knowledge um, and a lack of understanding, you know, some of the basics, you know, how you get taxed as a freelancer, um, whether or not to continue as a sole proprietor or open up a company and a business account uh, as a PTY LTD. All of that really does speak to a lack of understanding, um, lack of exposure, sometimes fear. Um, and, and a lack of um, clarity, I guess, as to what the end goal is. Um, being the leading media mogul um, is something quite fun in the long term, but I do think um, many of our, my peers in the industry might struggle with um, uh, managing their finances most on a serious note, specifically for those who might not have the necessary exposure. But if anything, I do think that there's a growing tide and, and change to to educate people to Whilst you're working in a side hustle and perhaps on a contract to be very cognizant of where and how it is that you use your money um, and, and being very, very resourceful in terms of making sure that you're not caught off guard. And I think if anyone had to learn that lesson, the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown, geesh, I think that must have been a wake up call for anyone who must yeah. have been caught off guard. And, and I think it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's such an important point that, uh, you know, we don't know what the what the unpredictable event will be. We've got such a, a, a horrible but but real example now uh, from, from COVID. But but the, you know the, these will happen again. I'm not saying a global pandemic will happen again. I, I hope it never does. But but the big event that that isn't predictable that you can't uh, in any way forecast or protect yourself against uh, will, will be around the corner. We need to know that that's the case. And then it's a, then to say to ourselves, how do we invest our our money and how do we financially protect ourselves as best we can uh, so, so i'm going to prepare you while, while i while i wrap up on on, on that point because I've, uh, i always have one 
uh, question, my favorite question for, for all of our guests. Uh, and that is, uh, and, and I'll give you some time to think about it now, but uh, you know, uh, what's the one lesson you would love to give your, your 21 year old self knowing what you know to today, uh, um, uh, both about life and careers and money doesn't, doesn't have to be very specific to personal finance. What's the one thing you would love to teach yourself, uh, uh, you know, if you were to meet yourself now, I know it's not possible, but it's, it's always my favorite question. And, and then I think just, you know, to give you time to think about that, you know, my, my one uh, big learning from this is, you, you know, we can, I mean, we can all go along with, with money and, and allow life to happen. Uh, and and you know allow things to happen to us, but it's amazing that you know if we prepare um, and we prepare for bad times and 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 give ourselves financial protection, and that could be as simple as you know get, get six months of of your expenses in an emergency fund. You know, just give yourself some fi- financial protection against the unforeseen. But the moment you give yourself the protection, uh, somehow you don't need it as often and and as much as as if you have no you know you take no protection. You give yourself no financial. Uh, kind of savvy around around these things, and and you know that that uh, that failure to plan and failure to prepare, um, you know, for, for both people in the media and those who are on contract work or you know do, doing hourly gigs or whatever it is, that's a global phenomenon. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, it's very likely that you know there's a global music megastar Shakira might end up in jail because of because of failure to to kind of sort out her taxes. Uh, you know, it's it's right around the world. You know, lots of soccer stars have got themselves into deep trouble with with this stuff. So 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 the reality is, if you are earning well and you are in in part time work, uh, you you need to know that uh, you know and the tax man is always watching. And and you know, don't react and don't respond. You know, rather get proactive and and get your get your house in order up front. It might be boring, might sound really adult and really grown up to do it, but uh, but, but you know, uh, getting a, a letter from SARS that says you owe them a heck of a lot of money is much more scary than than just being prepared. Um, so, so Google it too. My favorite question: uh, If you if you had to meet your twenty one year old self, what, what, what would you want to, to to teach her now? Thanks for that, Warren. Yeah, your last question is actually very thought provoking, right? Because twenty one is uh, so often an age where we think that we've um, matured and um, you know developed into adulthood, and yet in hindsight, one actually realizes that um, it's a very young age and that a lot of individuals might not have the mental and emotional capacity to actually deal with some of the tough decisions that one needs to take in life. So for me, I guess two things, maybe three. The first one that I'd probably tell myself at the age of 21, either I had already started working after graduating and um, was pursuing my um, uh, postgraduate qualification. And the first thing I would say to myself, I was in the thick of things, had fallen in love, um, working and enjoying life, really, but very curious as to what my future would hold. And I guess I'd tell my first, my 21-year-old self to relax, (laughs) not to stress about the future, because the truth is I, at 21, you're going to experience different versions of yourself. You'll be someone different with different experiences at 25. At 30, you'll evolve and become somebody new. And at 35, you'll be different. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but I think if anything, at 21, just know that you're going to meet various versions of yourself and that you're going to grow, you're going to evolve, um, and you're going to learn more about yourself. So that would be the first lesson. Um, And in learning more about yourself, it takes away from feeling as though one needs to be married to 
a particular view of life and their experiences. So know that you'll grow, that you'll evolve and be comfortable with that and be comfortable with um, losing people along that journey and meeting new ones as well. People will shape your journey in different forms. And then I also think a very important one is um, whilst you're on the right direction financially, be more consistent in your journey to accumulate wealth, to purchase assets and to protect them. I think that would also be a key um, driver to a 21-year-old. But also use money to fulfill yourself more with experiences and with knowledge versus just materialistic things. It's not a mistake that I think I made, but in hindsight, um, my 21-year-old self obviously had a lot more time, a lot more flexibility. And I do think I could have used that time more wisely to capitalize on opportunities and experiences that I otherwise might not might not have enjoyed. So I guess that's my, my key takeaway to my 21-year-old self. Guguletum Fupi, thank you so much for joining us. That, that was just a brilliant episode. I think the, the time absolutely flew uh, and, and I actually learned so much just, just from listening to you and I really appreciate uh, all, all your willingness to share with us uh, your learnings and your experience. Uh, so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. 